from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are getting into the holiday spirit, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird? Jonah, I was thinking about throughout our lives, different celebrities that people have told us that we look like and how that hasn't always gone great for us. You know, for me, it's been a real mixed bag. And I think probably for you as well. I know that being someone with curly hair, personally, a lot of people just based on that have told me I look like people. Like I remember when I was in college interning, my boss would always tell me I look like Chelsea Clinton. Interesting. And I don't see a huge resemblance yeah, except that we both it. had curly hair. Sure. I just don't think we look alike. I, you know, and so that was one. And then when I got to college, I remember multiple people told me they thought I looked like Sigourney Weaver. Wow. Which I don't know if that was based <laughs> on my face or hair. Also, someone with curly hair. I don't know, Jonah, do you think I look like Sigourney Weaver? No, I don't think so. I also think of her as being so like an older generation. Like, yes. But I guess you could still look like someone who's in a different generation. But no, I don't really see that one. I mean, as you know, I've gotten some very strange ones over the years. Now I just <laughs> yeah. get basically any guy with a mustache. Right. Very cool. Yeah. One memorable one we were talking about was I got in your first building in New York. You live near NYU. Yes. And I used to have really big hair. Like big, puffy, curly hair. Yes. Like big, curly hair. And I was waiting for you in the lobby. This guy walked past me and did this kind of double take, like looked over at me and then stopped and looked again. And I was like, okay, like, you know, I was in a band. I was in a podcast. I was like, maybe this person is like recognizing me from something. This doesn't happen very often, but it's not other own possibility. And he comes over to me and goes, excuse me, are you Malcolm Gladwell? <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not Malcolm Gladwell. 
Was he a young, like what age range would you say this guy was? Probably in? around the same age as me. And what's funny is I see Malcolm Gladwell in real life. Me and my wife sometimes go to Hudson, New York, and we always see him at this coffee shop. And really? So I, yeah. And so. Have you ever gone up to him and been like, when I used to have longer hair? Because the thing is, facially, you don't look alike. Yeah, I think it was more the hair. I mean, I listened to his podcast. I think he's a really interesting guy. I feel like that's just like the recipe for setting up a very awkward exchange with someone. Right, 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 right. And the other really strange one I got. <laughs> This one is so funny. This one is really, really bizarre. I was at a diner, and this was before I moved to New York, so I'm in my 20s. This one was like, you know, you look like that guy from that movie Sideways. (laughs) Sideways is a big movie, and she was talking about Paul Giamatti, of course. Great actor. (laughs) Not someone you're aspiring to look like in your 20s. Like, he kind of plays like a schlubby kind of loser in every role, especially in Sideways. So I was like 27, (laughs) I was like trying to be cool. I was like, oh, well... (laughs) Thank you. I was really mad. I think I brought it up. I'm still bringing it up. It's probably 20 years right, ago. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Vanessa, you've gotten Molly Ringwald, maybe. Is that one you get sometimes? Oh, yes. Actually, I've gotten that one. I actually kind of love that one. And a couple times on SNL, I dressed as her. They put me in stuff to play 80s era Molly Ringwald. And people, truly, I remember the first time I did it, people when I was like walking down the hallway at SNL were truly stunned. Because I think, not to, you know, brag, but I really looked like her. Like, when I have the Molly Ringwald actual hair on, not that my hair is, like, that dissimilar because it's, like, curly and reddish, but when I had an actual Molly Ringwald wig on and the clothing, it was pretty cool. Sorry, brag, I looked pretty much like her. Amazing. But, you know, obviously, we're also talking about being stopped on the street as these people not in costume. (laughs) Sure. Having a professional team making you look like someone's different than someone (laughs) just saying it to you. Yes, exactly. So anyways, Vanessa, you want to introduce today's guest? I would love to. I would love to introduce today's guest. (laughs) Yes, okay. He's already sent us a link that you might want to check out, Jonah. Today's guest is a writer, producer, and actor (laughs) (laughs) known for his work on Pen15, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Inside Amy Schumer. Plus, he is one-third of the critically acclaimed live show Big Terrific, and he is now writer and EP on my show. I love that for you. And the biggest angel in the world, please welcome Gabe Liedman. Yay! Yay. Thank you so much. Gabe, welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, Thrilled that you're here. So, Gabe, you have someone you've been told that you look like as well. You sent us a photo and... Constant. Yes. Okay. His name is Michael Cyril Creighton. You might know him from High Maintenance or Only Murders in the Building. And he's a wonderful actor. And also, (laughs) like, we kind of came up together in the New York City, like, live comedy scene. Really? We know each other. We're in constant contact because we're constantly both like fielding compliments for each other. Like <laughs> everyone thinks we're the same. <laughs> and even people who like know us both like as acquaintances will just sort of talk to the other one as if we're the other one. So we have this text chain that's just a constant like, hey, so-and-so thought you were great and blah, 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 or <laughs> yeah, loves your writing on blah, blah, blah. And it's it's so funny. I actually do see the resemblance here. Right. I often wear like darker framed glasses. Sometimes my hair is a bit longer. Like we, we genuinely do look alike and it's not insulting at all. I think <laughs> like I totally see it. But growing up, I did not have a celebrity doppelganger at all. Never got it. And then all of a sudden now it's Michael. 
Oh my gosh, that is so funny. It's so funny that you share with each other the various compliments that you get for <laughs> Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's so funny and we're just on different coasts and interacting with different people in the same business and just sort of being like, hey, last night so-and-so said you were great. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. That is so funny. Well, that seems like a good one. It's nice to have one that, you know, in fact, to know each other and be able to have that kind of relationship. How incredible. It's like you and Sigourney. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I never really hear from Molly Ringwald, but Sigourney is always. Yeah. It is also funny when, because I remember being in college and hearing the Sigourney thing and people going, she was really hot in Ghostbusters. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know. And she's really great in Working Girl. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's always when someone has to sort of yeah. tell you why it's a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And I do think Sigourney Weaver is very beautiful. I just don't look in the mirror and go, she's me. No, I don't see it. Like, it, you just don't look alike is the only problem there. <laughs> it's not that she looks bad or something. Right, right. <laughs> I have a text chain going with Paul Giamatti. <laughs> We're always just trading. I was like, you were great in that. Sam Adams adaptation and he loves a podcast and so we got to have him on. Oh, that's we awesome. Paul on. That's yeah. so we got to awesome. have Paul on. Yeah, it is funny when you being 27 and being... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell is crazy. It's crazy. Malcolm Gladwell, The yeah. fact that someone stopped and really was like nervous to talk to you because they really thought you were Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, I mean, maybe I should have just gone with it. I, I don't know. It, it, yeah, I mean, to go up to someone and not be... That's also a bold move to go up to someone and not be sure if it's a person yeah. but confident and <laughs> Enough just to ask them? Yes, yes, yeah. You know, sometimes people do that to me. Okay. Like, I don't get recognized that often. Sometimes people do that to me, and I say, they go, are you that girl from SNL? And I say, no. That's okay. They'll go, you look like her. And I go, yeah, yeah, people say that. I love that. That's your choice. That's your freedom. Sure, sure. Yeah, sometimes I get a vibe off of people that's sort of like, I can tell this is going to be weird, you know? So then I'm just like, I'm going to avoid it. Yeah, that's fair. But it doesn't happen a lot. I'm more often Sigourney Weaver, etc. <laughs> I used to have the same hairstyle as you, Jonah. When you were describing the big puff. Really? <gasps> okay. You did, Gabe? I had the exact, like, the sideshow bob kind of, like, yep, yep, corkscrew yep. out to here curls. Yes, I had that for, like, 10th grade through sophomore year of college. That was my look. Now, this is a great way to transition into today's topic, which I think is going to be really exciting for all of us to talk about because it seems like we all have experience with it, which is manic panic and kind of all kinds of dyeing our hair that we did as kids. Now, Gabe, what made you want to talk about this? Okay, I guess I was trying to put myself in a memory of like this era that I feel like you guys go back to for your nostalgia, which I, I feel like we're all the same age and grew up like yes. kind of in like indulging in the same like pop culture and just whatever. So like one of like a huge touchstone for me was my so-called life. And yes. when she dyes her hair maroon in the first episode of that, I just kind of remember it catching like wildfire. Like everyone suddenly had like the same kind of maroon hair from like a box at CVS or mm -hmm. like a punky store, like Manic Panic stuff. And then it just sort of like hair dye not being necessarily just if you had like a mohawk and were like a punk, but it was sort of like grunge kids were doing it and hippie kids were doing it. And like suddenly it felt like every teenager was dyeing their hair, including me. That's so interesting because I never really put together that. I think you're right. I think Claire Danes slash Angela dyeing her hair red or maroon really did make everyone 
around that age kind of want to dye their hair. Yeah. Because she sort of had like that mousy, blonde, brown, yeah. just straight hair. And then she like, and the whole show was like, one day she's totally different and hanging out with different kids. And it was like, then it just was a show about this girl with like maroon hair whose parents didn't get her and her ex-best friend was like, hurt by her and it was like relatable maybe or like oh my god i felt so much with that show that everything that was happening to her i could like sort of in i sort of felt like it was happening in my life as i watched it yeah it was so because i think i like sort of had a friend i was sort of transitioning friend groups at that time i think i was in seventh grade or eighth grade and i sort of really understood it was such a relatable show and I will say the dyeing of the hair was so exciting to see. And then something that, you know, I didn't understand then because I didn't work in TV yet was they filmed that first episode or like we call it in the biz, the pilot. <laughs> and then they had to wait to see if it got picked up. And then when they filmed the rest of the episodes, remember her hair was not as dark. Yes. It was shorter and kind of lighter. I think what happened with that show I heard is that they kept thinking they were going to get canceled, maybe going on breaks. And then I don't know if I'm getting this completely right, but... By the end of the season, Claire Danes' look was very different. I mean, she looked great the whole way through, but it was sort of like in this span of what was supposed to be a year. Yeah. Things sort of changed a lot. Yeah, and it was only 13 episodes or something. Like, I don't even think it was like... I think it was 19. 19, okay. Like, not a long (laughs) season, didn't go on forever, but it's like, that show is like pretty indelible. Like, for that moment, it just was kind of everything. And so great. Yeah, her look did change and she kind of hardened and like. Yeah. I think there's something really nice about that. Just that in general, like I feel like Freaks and Geeks or My So-Called Life are these shows that didn't have like, didn't go on like The Office for like 900 seasons. That kind of makes them a little more special. I think that's the same with music, like bands that just put out a couple good records and then kind of disappear. Totally. Interesting. That's such an interesting way to think about it because particularly with bands, I feel like when they only have one record or something, you don't think of it that way. You sort of go like, oh, they didn't make it or something. Well, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes the records get a lot bigger after they break up. And that's why, like, all these reunions are so huge. Some of these bands, if they're around, you know, people don't care as much. If they break up for, like, 10 years and then come back, then all of a sudden, you know, so it's like, I don't know. And they do that again with reboots, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I guess that's a little different. I don't know. You two work in that biz. I don't know. (laughs) The reboot biz. Remember when we dropped you off at college, Jonah, and that song Closing Time kept playing? I don't remember that. I mean, I do remember hearing that song a lot. That song, Closing Time, kept playing, and that song that goes like... The Way by Fastball. Yes. Oh, my yes. God. Those two songs were like, when I was going to college, were like on like literally every 700 times an hour or something. <laughs> they were on so much. You know what's so funny is one of our stage managers, Jenna, who's so great at SNL, she was friends with either the guy from Fastball or the guy, this is so rude that I can't, because probably it would be great to have one of them on the podcast, but the guy from Fastball or the guy who sang Closing Time? Semisonic. Semisonic. I think it was the guy from Fastball. And I remember being like, oh, like, I love Closing Time. And she was like, that's not his song. <laughs> like, I think people confuse those two bands and those two songs are really interchangeable because they both were the biggest songs in like 1998 or whatever. And I can't picture the video for either. Like when I think of those songs, I think of myself sitting in a car hearing just the song. So yeah, yeah, I could never, I couldn't pick the bands out of a lineup. I think the fastball video, they were in like a desert, like driving around or something. And the closing time, they might've been in a 
bar. I feel like it was something. You know, I read that Jacob, the drummer for Semisonic, wrote a memoir I read recently. That's that's actually really entertaining. I read every music memoir. Cool. But it's about that era and sort of like, you know, the end of like the music industry where it actually had a lot of money. And it's, you know, it's kind of an interesting book if you're into that stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Wow. But Gabe, did you dye your hair during this My So-Called Life era? I mean, what colors, what, what, what were you kind of working with? What was your palette? <laughs> my entry color was like Angela, My So-Called Life maroon. Mm. And I started with brown hair. So it was like just a sort of like reddening of the brown hair. Sure. And that was probably... Yeah, like around that era. I guess I would have been like in eighth grade-ish or something like that. Uh-huh. And then it sort of just became like chunks of blonde in the Sideshow Bob kind of sphere of hair I had. Right. And then by the time I got to college and was experimenting with drugs, I'll just, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> I started dyeing sort of like streaks of either blue or green or like blue that would wow. fade to green kind of at my temples. And I did that for like a good year. And then that was pretty much the whole journey. Now, what were your parents' reactions? Because, you know, Angela's parents have a big reaction when she dyes her hair. We can get into our parents' reactions when we did it. But what were your parents' reactions? My parents were like, I grew up in like Center City, Philadelphia. And like, I think my parents like really like considered themselves cool. And they were cool. And like my dad, they were hippies in the 60s. My dad had an earring and like a motorcycle and like a big like mustache and beard. So, like, he was kind of, like, had a lot of pride in, like, looking a little, you know, different. So, like, they were cool with it. And I think especially because it was, like, non-permanent. Like, I still don't have any piercings or tattoos. My sister has both. And my brother also had an earring for a little bit. But I was the only hair dye. But they were, like, totally cool with it. And I think that they liked that it was kind of, like, outside. You know, they just were so non-conservative. Yeah. Yes. I would say a little bit the opposite for us. Yeah. (laughs) Really? Well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, What do you think? Not in a judgmental way, but yeah. I feel like they were sort of understanding of that stuff more than other parents might have been. Oh, yeah. I think they were understanding. I think maybe that wasn't like, they didn't present like as being, you know, kind of like, you know, like dad didn't have a beard or like, I felt like they were kind of conservative in appearance. Like they didn't look like hippies, but especially mom, I would say. Yeah. Our mom went to India, did all this stuff as like a... Oh, wow. In her early 20s, like did all this traveling. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think think they both did, but I remember... You know, I got my tongue pierced on my 18th birthday. Right. Oh, wow. And didn't tell us. And didn't tell anyone. Wanted to get it done so bad. Had to almost got it done when I was 17 by some guy in an apartment. And I was so glad I did not do this, by yes. the way. Yes, so smart. Waited for the professionals to do it. But on my 18th birthday, I don't know if anyone's gotten their tongue. T- no, you- but a lot of my friends did. And I remember the like, Ugh. the Listerine for like four days and the like yeah. the swelling and like, like it was a big thing. Swells up huge after. And I remember we had to have dinner with my parents that night and I couldn't really pronounce stuff, but I was trying to hide it. Oh, it's like hard to God. hide something that people can see in your mouth when you're still living with your parents and you're like a (laughs) teenager. But I remember thinking, I'll just totally get away with this. It's such a teenager thing to do to like not really think something through at all. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so I had it and eventually they were like, there's something in your mouth. They couldn't figure it out and then eventually it kind of came out. But yeah, to Vanessa's point, I do think our parents, once we did stuff, were pretty understanding about it. They were like, okay. I don't think they would have made those choices, but I think they kind of were. Right. 
And they probably wouldn't have given you permission if you had asked right. at 17, right? right? Exactly. Well, exactly. The other thing that was funny about Jonah getting his tongue pierced was he was just being really quiet because he was <laughs> trying to hide it. But as you can imagine, the dynamic in our household was like, I was definitely the loud one. So it sort of wasn't that crazy that Jonah would sort of be not talking. And he was always the one who in our family ate the least in general. <laughs> he has like really good eating habits. So he would just like be at the dinner table, not really talk that much and then be like, okay, I'm going to leave. Right. And so if anyone could have gotten away with it, it was Jonah. But And I got away with it for maybe three or four hours. And then when did you get this your like chin pierced. I got my labray pierced, and I also got my septum pierced. Whoa! Yeah. Wait, when did you get your labray slash chin? For those who don't, I think know? all this stuff was when I was, you know, eighteen, nineteen. We've told this story on the podcast. You, it came out of your chin once, and they called me to the. They called me out of class <laughs> in high school to the nurse's office to help him put it back in, which was so weird. You must have requested me because the nurse could have done it. I don't know why I went to the nurse. Yeah, I think like the <laughs> ball at the end that screws in came off. Maybe Maybe she was just freaked out and was like, let your sister do it. I don't do know it. why I was like, oh, <laughs> I need vanilla. So yeah. Isn't that weird? I don't remember you having your septum pierced. I only had it briefly and it was, I had a what's called a retainer in it, which is like a little thing that flips down. Right. Just to keep the hole. But it was so hard for me to get the jewelry in because it was like, you have to screw these balls in and you can't really see what you're doing. Right. And then I was, yeah, I think it was just, it's too complicated for me. And then I, I, it was very short lived. It feels like that's the most common piercing right now. I feel like- Is yeah. it really? Everyone suddenly yeah. has a septum piercing, which is- yeah. So surprising. It used to be such a specialty thing. Like, Right. I think you're right. I think the septum has gotten, a, is a lot more common now. Yeah. Eyebrow piercings went away. Yes, that was, I remember when I went to college, my friend Cheryl had an eyebrow piercing and I thought it was so cool. But that went away. And there were a lot of stories about how you could paralyze half of your face. Do you remember that? Oh, no. <laughs> there were a lot of stories people used to say about getting your eyebrow pierced that you would paralyze. I think they weren't real. But they were like, someone could hit a nerve. Right. <laughs> Which I guess could be true for... For anything. I think that belly buttons were also obviously were like a big huge, one. That huge, huge, huge. Yeah. And once in a while, you'll see someone who still has their belly button pierced and you'll go, hun. Hun. <laughs> yeah. I do like when someone's not wearing their belly button pierced anymore, but you can see like little dots like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you, used, yeah. you used to be that person, huh? Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. interesting. I, because our cousin Mia, who I'm still very close with, had her tragus pierced. When I turned 18, my friend Moon Javed and I both got our traguses pierced. I did it right before college. And because I, I remember going to college and having to like soak it or whatever, or like put the salt something on it. I still have it, but I've had to take it out over the years, especially I remember when I was doing the bar mitzvah boy at SNL <laughs> and like someone noticed it and I was like, oh, you're right. He wouldn't have a tragus piercing. That's so out of character. And because I would often play kids or really big dorks, <laughs> I'd have to take it out. But because it's also sort of like a little hoop, someone who knows about piercing has to take it out. Oh, wow. It's been a little bit of a thing. I need to get a different earring for it so I can take it in and out because, uh, spoiler alert, I still play a lot of dorks. <laughs> true, 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 true. <laughs> now, on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Gabe Liebman. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So, Gabe, so you dyed your hair a few different colors. Now, Jonah similarly dyed his hair, but didn't really vary the color as much. More opted. Yeah, Jonah, go ahead. The blackest black color you could find for my hair. Yeah, like the most unnatural looking to my skin tone. (laughs) Like, you know, we have kind of similar, like kind of like a reddish brown. Yeah. And I remember going... A few different ways, but I remember going to a salon and then, you know, they have like the chart with all the colors with my mom and being like, I want this one. It was like the most black. And I remember the salon woman talking to my mom being like, do you want to maybe go a couple shades later? This is going to be really intense. And and I guess to Vanessa's point, our mom being like, no, I want you to give him what he wants. wants." Yeah, because you weren't trying to look like natural. You were trying to look punky, like rock and roll. Let me tell you something. Yeah, these middle-aged women in Ohio, they didn't get my look. They didn't know what I was going for. They didn't understand me. mom. Yeah. And so, you know, so my mom was cool about it. Let me get it dyed. You know, the darkest color. I had long hair on top, side shaved. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ponytail halfway. That's cool. It was cool. It was cool. I was modeling myself after Jason Newstead from Metallica. I was going to ask, was this like Metallica? Okay, great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because there's also like the emo-y kind of version. Yeah, This was like proto-emo. This was like 90s, I feel like. Yeah, this was like mid-90s. And so I had that. And then I had a friend's mom, Ashley Wenham. I would go to parties at her house. Her mom, I remember dyeing my hair black. I remember just people randomly kind of helping me. And I didn't care if the roots grew out. Like, I thought that was fine. I was, you know, yeah. I just want to back up and say, it's interesting, though, because speaking of like, you know, Gabe, you dyeing your hair sort of auburn, Jonah had this really beautiful auburn hair. He had like a really good color. I feel like people, especially those middle-aged women in Ohio, would be like, your hair color is so good. (laughs) Why are you doing it? I mean, more so than me, your hair was really more... Our mom and her side of the family is a lot of redheads, and our mom still has... She's... In her 70s, she still has, she's starting to just now get some grays. It's really incredible. And her hair has gotten more like 
orange through the years, but she still has this beautiful red hair. It's really crazy, but we have this red hair in our family. My hair used to be more red. Jonah's years was really pretty auburn. But, you know, I guess what I want to say to you too is like, we all have kind of like similar, all I wanted was straight hair that was black. Yes. Same. That's all I wanted growing up. Yeah. And I remember me and Vanessa, I don't know if you remember, I've never mentioned this, but me and Vanessa went to a museum when we were young and there was some guy there that had like long black hair with like the side shaved. And this guy was like sort of like my style <laughs> icon. This random guy I saw at a wow. museum when I was like 12. And like, I was like, this is, I want to look like this person. Jonah, that's so sweet. I didn't know that. The genetics were not in my favor. <laughs> no. <laughs> looked, that's... Nothing like, I never looked anything like this guy, but that was the look I kind of emulated like cool guy at the museum. And how old do you think we were? Probably 12 or 13. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I always wanted the opposite of what I had. Same. We had curly hair. We always wanted straight hair. I mean, you know, I knew that about myself. I don't think that I always, I knew that you wanted straight hair. But yeah, thinking back, your, your hair was always kind of like, in some way, sort of made to look a little straighter. I mean, there was a lot going on there. But, and I'll get back to that. But I just want to say, in terms of my style icon, who I always wanted to look like, it was... Jennifer Love Hewitt on Party of Five. She had like this super... <laughs> yeah. And I'm just realizing it now that that was like truly was the dream. I mean, she was mind-blowing. So beautiful. Super straight hair. And like she could just like kind of put it to the side and it would... I was like straightening my hair. I mean, I could not to the point when... <laughs> This is a little fucked up, but the point when I lost my hair because I had leukemia, I got a straight wig and I thought, you know what? I don't have real hair, but I almost prefer this. This looks good. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Gabe, was there anyone whose like hairstyle you would have like, I mean, it sounds like Angela was one of like, but who's definitely I'm like, I'm trying to like go through in my head and it's like it pretty much is all women. And like, I had a really, really big obsession with Bjork around this time. Like when she was like pretty new and basically anything she did, I thought was like the height of style, even though I didn't like dress in women's clothes. It was like mohair. Yeah. Black hair was really important. And then, yeah, like my so-called life in grunge, but like a sort of like acceptable, middle school, sure. honestly, private school, white, like, <laughs> version of grunge that was, like, corduroys with the bottom cut in the middle or whatever to be, like, sloppy, but still, like, close from Old Navy, just plaid ones and brown corduroys or whatever. Right. If that makes sense, yeah. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you ever see a hairstyle on Michael Cyril Crichton and go, that would look good on me? Oh, all the time. And, like, <laughs> and speaking of straight hair, he is, like... Now that I have shorter hair and it's, like, a little shaved on the side, like, I do wish I could have it a little bit longer on top and parted, like, in a kind of Mad Men type way that he has. Like, he has, like, a very, like, slick, strict haircut from, like, the 60s or something. But my hair still is a little curly and, like, there's not really any parting it. It's kind of just, like, a hedge. So it's, like, you just kind of grow it in a shape as opposed to having, like, a nice part. Okay. And I'm sure there are products that would help, but I don't want sticky, stiff hair. I just want to look natural. Yeah. yeah. With short hairs, but it's hard. It would be hard with your hair. Yeah. To make it be straight. It sounds like we all just really. Yeah. 
And now that it's thinning a little bit, like now that I'm in my 40s and it's growing in thinner, like I've had the thought now, like I could never go back to the sideshow bob. Like I don't think it would grow long enough and curly enough. I think things have changed. Right. That was kind of my then. issue as well. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to bring something up that, that you actually brought up, Gabe. You know, you you talked about sort of manic panic and kids, you know, in the 90s dying their hair. And, you know, we had our cousin is Ricky Rackman. We've had him on the podcast and he came yeah. on and he talked about <laughs> I've told our whole writer's room about it. Don't worry. Jonah. Okay. So yeah, I tell everyone too. And, you know, he talked about, you know, he was called like the first heavily tattooed person on television. And he said that, you know, him and Motley crew were sort of like the, you know, these 80s early people representing that. I mean, to me, you know, it was such a fringe thing in the 90s with my so-called life and with like punk and these kind of subcultures. And now, you know, seeing someone with blue hair is like no big deal. Like it's so common, right? Yes, absolutely. And like a neon stripe or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, right. people really just sort of treat it like dressing or makeup. Like, it's just kind of like a choice you make or whatever. It's not shocking, but it was like, yeah, it was so punk before. And like, yes, I just think about the Mohawks with so much gel and like, the, you know, the spiked version of that. And like, yeah, that's what you looked like if you had green hair for a while. Right. Yeah. And then now it's just sort of like, I don't know, it could be mixed in on it. It's just, it's so common. It's so common. And I feel like it's hard to understand if maybe if you're younger, if you weren't around in like the 90s and 2000s, that this was such a kind of radical move and people were freaked out. It was very alienating. It like really total like subculture move that really isn't anymore. And I would like for that maroon phase, like I didn't go to a salon. I remember going to Rite Aid and getting the brand Feria, which was like, yes, for it's like probably like L'Oreal. It's like, yes, it's it just is. like, you know, hair dye for business ladies, really. But they have like this like <laughs> maroon tone or whatever. And that that they didn't consider punk at all. And the woman modeling it was not punk or grunge at all. But it looks so right with like a plaid shirt and fucked up corduroys and dock. You know, I'm glad you brought up going to Rite Aid and getting your hair color because that was something my friends and I got extremely into glints. Glints. Which was, yeah, Jonah, do you remember? I don't remember glints, no. Okay, glints was this, they called it semi-permanent, but it was basically the least permanent hair dye you could get. And it was supposed to sort of bring out your natural tones of your hair. It was supposed to enhance your hair color. But yeah, I would do the same thing. Actually, I was because I already had sort of reddish hair. I would get the more red leaning ones. And I remember my friend Lissy, because she had dark hair, she could lean towards like the dark red leaning ones or the ones that were supposed to make your hair so dark that they were almost blue. Had yeah, like, like blue it shined tone. blue like Superman kind of. Like yeah. it shined blue like Superman. Exactly. And I remember because full circle, I was in seventh grade-ish and because my hair was so damaged because I was always straightening it to make it not be curly, it took to the dye so well. It took to glint so well that it truly made my hair like, I remember one year it made my hair extremely red and we were doing color wars in gym class at school. Like it was, we would do a color wars thing and our color of our classroom was red. Oh, wow. And so it was like, actually worked really well that I had such red hair for color wars. But I remember my mom told me another mom went up to her about my hair. Whoa, what did she say? I think she was sort of like, did you let her dye her hair red? And my mom was like, yeah. Vanessa, what are color wars? Do you remember there was this thing when we were in Brady Middle School? Well, I had it at camp. Well, we had it yes. at camp too. Oh no, we had it at school too. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a camp and at school, but it yeah. was bigger at camp. But at school, Jonah, I don't know if you remember this, in middle school, in Brady Middle School, they would like take us out of school to do different things, sort of 
PE type things. Like there was a thing where you had to run around the track. I don't even remember it that clearly. It's like clearly. a field day. Oh yeah, yes, that's what it was. It's Olivia like said. a field yeah. day. Maybe it was called Color Wars at Camp and Field Day at School. I don't remember this at all. I don't remember this at all. And my school is called Color Day. And then there was Color War at Camp because it was like five days long or something. Right, it was right, right. Yeah. It was Color War at Camp and maybe Color Day or Field Day at school. It was fun because anything where you would get taken out of regular classes to do gym type stuff where you could sort of you know, especially if you weren't an athlete, no one's really expecting much out of you. You could kind of right. just be, you know, chilling with your friends. It was very <laughs> fun for me. Okay, so, yeah. And I remember Lissy kind of getting in trouble too because she also straightened her hair a lot. And her my friends, you know, we really took to the dye. But I remember we were all buying glints all the time. Oh, I know what happened with Lissy. She dyed her hair with one. It was supposed to be like seven to 10 days that it stayed in your hair. And hers stayed for like, I think until that hair grew up. Wow. You know, because we were straightening our hair because that was the style. You know, we had to, yeah. we couldn't be going to bar and bat mitzvahs every weekend without that sleek straight hair that when I did it immediately, like one hour into the bar mitzvah was curly again. <laughs> well, Gabe, you mentioned Manic Panic. I don't know how much you know about the history of Manic Panic. Nothing. Okay, because Jonah knows quite a bit. I know it's, quite a bit. And, you know, it's really actually really interesting because it was started in New York by these sisters who are musicians, Tish True Trash and Eileen Snooky Belomo. Wow. And they opened this boutique, Manic Panic Boutique, in 1977 that was open till 99 and then relocated. But it was on St. Mark's Place. It was in New York. And it's considered like the first, like, oh, wow. quote unquote, punk like store. And it was on St. Mark's. And they started making this hair dye in the 70s and worked with all of these kind of musicians from that era. It's vegan. It's cruelty-free. Wow. It's vegan. It's cruelty-free. They give a lot of money to cancer charities. They've worked with, you know, like, they worked with, like, the B-52s, the Dead Boys, wow. Dr. John. I mean, so they're... It was interesting because I wasn't sure if it was like a corporate thing. Yeah. The packaging was so cool. I love that it's these two sisters. And one of them changed their names to True Trash. They call themselves Tish and Snooky is how they... And they, okay. they've been dubbed the high priestesses of punk. And they say that we don't just sell this lifestyle. We live it. Wow. They still perform music. 15% of, yeah, their profits are donated to various charities. So yeah, they're totally legit. And it's it's interesting because I was thinking back, you know, somewhere, we recently did an episode with Jewel and we were talking about this area of yes. Coventry where this coffee shop, Arabic, and it was kind of like the quote unquote, like counterculture street. And I remember there was- a, In Cleveland. In Cleveland. And there's a record store there that's still there called Record Revolution. I think it's a lot smaller now, but they had like band t-shirts everywhere, jewelry, and then they had all this manic panic. Like, yes. you would go into a store like that, and I don't think you really see that anymore. Like, just like, right? My version of that was called Zipperhead, and it was on South Street in I'm familiar Philly. with it. Yeah, yeah, and it looked like the building was being opened up with a zipper and all these huge ants, like, crawling out on the outside oh. of the building. It was really crazy looking. And then inside, it, yeah, it was like combat boots, yep. band t-shirts, yep. probably, like, piercing jewelry, I would guess. Yes, and piercing yeah. jewelry. Tons of, tons of dye. Yeah. I wonder if Zipperhead's still there. Well, it's famous from being mentioned in Punk Rock Girl. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's right. When Saturday took a walk to Zipperhead. Yes. I bet it's like sadly it might still be there i mean i feel I, I feel like it's pretty important yeah but i think the definitely the prevalence of those shops those shops aren't there anymore like probably those kind of stores are all like vape shops now i don't think that culture exists anymore yeah exactly or like sim cards or something there's so many like cell phone accessory stores on south street now yeah 
It's very different. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how Coventry is too. I haven't been back in a while, but I get a sense that it's... But didn't you look it up and Record Revolution is still there? Record Revolution is still there, but I think it used to be much bigger. I think it's cut in half. They used to have a basement. They used to have a basement there that was just vinyl that was only like sometimes open. I think that's gone. So it's still there. It's been there since the 50s. It's one of the longest running independent record stores, I think, in the country. But I don't think it's what it was back in the 70s and 80s, unfortunately. Yeah. But, um, But, you know, it's still there. That's good. Tommy's is still there. We're doing great. Yes. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Gabe Liebman. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. So we're back and Gabe, we're going to play a pretty fun game right now. If I do say so myself, <laughs> it's called Legit Moan or Unnecessary Groan. Legit Moan. Unnecessary groan. And basically, there was this column in our local Cleveland newspaper, The Plain Dealer, called Monday Moaning, where people would write in with sort of complaints that they had. That is so funny. (laughs) Monday Moaning. Monday Moaning. It was a proto-Yelp, proto-Twitter, and they would write in with their complaints and... They discontinued this column 10 years ago. I have found an archive of them. So we would like to bring up a few oh, of them. yes. And then at the end, we can say it's a legit moan. Like, you think this is a legit complaint or an unnecessary groan being like, you know, get out of here. Right. Okay. <laughs> so we can decide each one. Yeah, go ahead, Jonah. Each one. I'll start us out. This one's from Rocky River, Ohio. The light bulbs approved by the government and its myriad of SARS are not bright enough to read by. So like many others I know, I am busily stockpiling 100-watt incandescent bulbs before they become (laughs) illegal at the first of the year. I intend to keep reading my newspapers, books, and magazines despite the government's efforts to take them away. Okay, 
So basically, this person is saying, "This is a grown. <laughs> you're already grown. I'm grown in. I'm grown in. Okay. Grown. Why is that? <laughs> For, okay, you got a chuckle out of me at, at the very like <laughs> mention of the light bulbs that the government approves. And sure. Then I'm like, we're still reading. Yes. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just like, and if you're visually impaired, then certainly get adaptive lighting for yourself. But this doesn't feel like a libertarian, like get out of my bedroom government type of thing to me. Like, I don't have perfect vision, but I see just fine with the light bulbs were quote unquote allowed. (laughs) What do they want? I know. Was it like an environmental thing that those bulbs were? I've looked it up. It looks like they're going to be until August 1st, 2023. You can buy them. This was 10 years ago. So this person was like thinking ahead. So they've probably got so many a hundred. This person is stockpiling for over a decade. They're stockpiling (laughs) these bulbs. They'll be good for life. This change hasn't even happened yet. So what Hasn't even happened yet. And this complaint came out 10 years ago. Yeah, I think this is from 2011. So, well, I might take back my girl. Look, because do I even know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't know what I (laughs) am going to be able to see on the other side of this change. But I. Oh, wait a second. But this person said, I'm busy stockpiling 100 watt incandescent bulbs before they become illegal at the first of the year. Well, I think this maybe they changed the rules, or maybe most likely this person had some the wrong information. (laughs) 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 Like, maybe they saw something on the news that was like, you know, in 2023, these will be discontinued they're like 2013 (laughs) so it could be just a miss sure 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 we have a lot of unreliable narrators in this column well okay yeah I still think it's a grown though Gabe I would agree with you I know you're sort of going back on it because you're not sure what they're talking about (laughs) we we sort of do need more information but just the fact that this person said the light bulbs approved by the government and it's myriad of czars <laughs> oh come on yeah you lost me already get over yourself so it's a grown yeah to me. It's, it's it's a grown uh, yeah come up with a more intelligent thing to say and give me more details on what you're talking about and then i'll consider it yeah i'm gonna agree with both of you this is a grown i think you know again i don't know enough about this issue I'm, I'm assuming the incandescent bulbs are being discontinued for a reason like maybe they're dangerous they're not efficient they're i don't think they're being discontinued <laughs> to like make it harder to read yeah <laughs> right so i think that's kind of a weird Take and yeah, it seems like you got to pick your battles, and this is just not not the one to do it with. So I'm gonna give it ground. It's not the one. This guy is flying through town, hitting up every store and going, "Give me all your light bulbs." <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> he could be working on his, you know. Well, I wonder if he has a place he's keeping them all. Like his <laughs> family is thinking. like, these things still aren't banned. Why do you keep collecting them? We don't have any more room, is right? It, yeah, is it the whole family room is just stacked? <laughs> of light bulbs now because big grown there. Yeah, right? Okay, you're getting a grown. You're done. Total grown. I'd almost say to this guy, congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played (laughs) yourself. Jonah, I've started saying that in the writer's room. Jonah loves to say it to quote. DJ Khaled, it's become a segment on this podcast as well. Congratulations, you played yourself. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you. I love it too. This is a perfect opportunity to use it, right? Yep. Okay, I'm going to read the next one. This one is from Bath Township, Ohio. And this person says, I feel bad reading this one, Jonah, because you found it and it's so funny. Well, this one is a little misogynistic, so I didn't really want to read it. So please. Okay, good. Okay. Do the women who soak themselves in perfume before attending performances at Playhouse Square not understand that many people are allergic to scents or do they just not care? Seats are very closely spaced at these theaters. Please be considerate, ladies. Wow. Uh, <laughs> the tone is a big groan for me. Oh my gosh. That is so condescending. It's so condescending. And like, 
there are people with allergies. There are people yes. with sensitivities. We should keep a be mindful of that, sure. But the tone of this is way off. And have you ever seen the movie Safe with Julianne Moore? No. No, I don't think so. Okay, it's hard to find streaming. Vanessa, I can hand you a DVD of it next time we're in the office. Okay, great. It's an old Todd Haynes movie starring Julianne Moore. And she plays a woman with environmental allergies that are like pretty psychosomatic. There's probably like a nugget to them, but she takes it so far that by the end of the movie, she's living in this like community in the woods with like only other people who can't have like sense or like you know, rugs that give off toxins and shit like that. Just basically, like, if you feel like the whole world is toxic and you want to scratch your your skin off. So it, it, this person sounds like they're, like, a little bit on the way there, maybe. Right. And, and if not, then they definitely have a bad attitude about it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I picture this as a man, for sure. Oh, yes. Yes. Just by the tone. And I picture him being very judgmental. And I feel like if you turn the mirror around on this guy, he's probably at the Playhouse Theater wearing flip-flops, <laughs> wearing shorts. <laughs> like, I guarantee you, this guy's so critical of people for wearing perfume. I guarantee you, that's a feeling. And just the condescending tone is just someone who clearly doesn't... Just something about this tone is just so obnoxious to me. And like it's, I said, like, I think misogynistic, just like, okay, ladies. I was going to say big incel, yeah, incel energy. So insulting and so patronizing. I, so I find this to be just a huge grown Vanessa. So what about you? Yeah, I mean, grown. I understand this person might have a legit allergy, but first of all, men can wear cologne too to just put this on women and be like, women, do you know about allergies or do you just not care? They probably they don't know you have an allergy and they're not right. they're not getting ready to go to Playhouse Square and see this performance thinking, I wonder if this asshole who's <laughs> super like condescending will be at Playhouse Square and I don't want to set off his allergies. Who would probably hate me no matter what I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really genuinely wonder if you have allergies, if there's something you can do, for example, no to like buy seats or I'm, I'm not trying to be well welcome to the can 95 era this, exactly this guy must be exactly living. wear a mask you're, you're right wear a mask and then you won't breathe it in yeah i think if it wasn't the perfume this guy would have another problem you know yes. it's, it's it's the way someone laughs or the if way this you know person was genuinely like i have an allergy to sense and a lot of times when i go to theaters it's you know it affects me i wish there was do you guys have any advice? Don't write into Monday morning, write into an advice. And, it, and then we would say wear a KN95 and also maybe go with family and ha let them have the seats that are sort of... Splurge for the aisle seat for yourself. Yeah, splurge for the aisle. <laughs> it's a groan. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, a groan. groan. It's, 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 yeah, it's a groan. It's, it's groan. a lot, something a lot deeper going on here. Now, Gate, we are so excited. Jonah, I'll let you introduce this segment within a segment. We're still playing the same game, but we found something... John, I'll let you explain it. Yeah, this is basically like the the movie Inception in a way. Okay. <laughs> this is the first time we've done this, and this is a segment within a segment. This is called a special mini segment that I've called Monday Moan Battle Zone. <laughs> and <laughs> what we're going to do is I'm going to read a Monday Moan that I found from August 8th, 2011. Then Vanessa is going to read a Monday Moaning response from August 15th, the next week edition of the paper. Wow. And we're going to decide... Who's the moan? Who's the groan? It's basically two sides of an argument. Just a warning, these are incredibly long, so we're going to try to get through them as fast as we can. August 8th, 
So this is the initial Monday moan. Ernest Hemingway was part of the lost generation in the 1920s. There is now a new lost generation that no one seems to care about. I deliver meals on wheels to about 20 senior citizens who live in very nicely appointed homes, cluster homes, or apartments. Of the 20 clients, not one has a computer, not one has a cell phone, and not one cares about Facebook, iPods, or Twitter. They all have cable TV, read the newspaper, listen to the news, and support the Cleveland Indians and Browns. I, too, am part of this lost generation. I have no computer, cell phone, or iPod. We are told if we want information or want to participate in society, the only way is through .com. There are millions of seniors nationwide who are neglected or disregarded by a society that is obsessed with technology. How sad. And that's from North Royalton. That's the initial. Okay, okay. Vanessa, do you want to read the response a week later? So a week later, this was sent to Monday morning. To the lost generation of seniors in North Royalton, how many of you have trouble managing your 401k withdrawals, can't get a virtual checkup from your doctor, aren't able to video chat long distance with your family, all because you aren't taking the initiative to learn the new technologies that will improve your quality of life. Lack of ability to adapt and learn is one of the reasons our country is at risk of being surpassed by others in regard to technological innovations. It is all of our collective responsibility to teach others how to best integrate new technological advances into our lives. Dot-com isn't the only way to participate in society, but it helps those, especially seniors, with limited mobility and social interaction to stay relevant. You are the choices you make. Watching cable TV doesn't give you an accurate worldview, and I'm deeply saddened that you, who are so much older and supposedly wiser than me, (laughs) are taking no steps to inform yourselves, but rather you seem content to let corporations dictate on how they view the world. If you notice, he switched tenses there. He said you and they as the same group of people. Okay. (laughs) Don't believe the hype you see on Fox News, Lost Generation, and don't blame your ignorance on a youth that strives to make the world a better place using just these technologies you speak so poorly of, North Royal and also from North Royalton. So this is like Jesus. a... Jesus. These are neighbors feuding. These are neighbors. Could be in the same <laughs> household. Who knows? Gabe, what side are you on? Who's a moan? Who's a groan? This is... this is Yeah. I'm going to say they both kind of have points, but sure. the groan definitely goes to the response for me. It's <laughs> yeah. so condescending. It's vicious. Almost borderline <laughs> yeah. vicious. And also making a ton of assumptions like why Fox News over? (laughs) You don't know if they don't have MSNBC on in their room. It's like there's something so dismissive and like mean about it. But it's also just kind of like, yeah, no, no shit, guys. Like (laughs) That's what I feel like to both of them. It's just sort of like, yeah, it is kind of like a bummer that so much stuff is on your mobile device now. And that's a lot to ask of someone who doesn't get it or whatever but it's also like okay oh well like maybe they have other i don't know like they're both kind of a, a no duh or something but definitely a groan to that response it, it, it's rude and intense. it's rude I, yes it's rude and intense i agree i feel conflicted about this one also because i feel that i'm 43 i feel like i'm getting to the point where there are technologies now i don't understand uh-huh. like i right. feel like snapchat tiktok all of these things like i feel like i'm getting to the point where like i was part of the youth that was like yes technology probably when this when this letter was written but now I'm i feel like out I'm, of a lot of that stuff like i don't have accounts on a lot of the newer stuff and i don't yes care. exactly so yeah. i feel like i'm kind of melding into that so i almost feel a little defensive but i also agree with some of the points like you do need to adapt 
But, you know, I have to agree with Gabe. I feel like the tone of the first one, you know, yeah, maybe they're a little bit stubborn. Maybe, you know, I don't know, Lost Generation feels, you know, a, a little dramatic. Yes. Right? I mean, like, you know, but I do feel like this response is just so over the top rude. And I just feel like there's something weirdly like this is why other countries are taking over for us. Yeah. And like, I'm deeply saddened. You are so much older and supposedly, supposedly wiser. Wiser. Supposedly wiser is just like, that's something you would never say to someone in real life. Yeah. Like, it's like, right. to me, this person just has a worldview where like, probably like this Playhouse Square, but we're like, everyone's like, I'm smarter than everyone else. Like, everyone should be doing what I do. Like, if I, you know, this, per- you know, and I find that tone to be just totally condescending. Yes, people need to adapt, but you can help them. You don't have to be insulting them. Yeah. And you can also understand why they haven't already adapted. Like, this isn't news. Like, how did you wake up on Monday morning and be like, I got to get this out of my system? It's Uh, just like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And just to to reiterate the Monday morning battle zone thing, it's, you know, (laughs) this person read this Monday morning. As soon as they read it, they were like, I got to chime in. Yeah, they were like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, I'm getting on my computer right now. Uh -uh." Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And then, you know, one of the most bizarre parts about this is um, the plain dealer, the paper doesn't mention this is a response to something like I had to figure that out like I had to read all these and be like oh this is a similar sentiment but these are both from North Royalty like we had to kind of put this together on our own the plain dealer could be like we have a response to last week's moan no you got to figure out on your own there's no context that's bad journalism the other thing that this person says just to kind of agree with if we have to pick a side to be the bigger grown it's the second one they say but it helps those especially seniors with limited mobility and social interaction to stay relevant yeah they're not like trying (laughs) to impress you it's almost like to stay safe yeah like a telehealth visit yeah Sure. It's really a lot of times I find in Monday Moaning and also a lot. Another game we play is we go through like stupid petitions on change.org <laughs> or not always stupid, but a lot of times. And a, a lot of times I think what people try and do is just use big words to try and get their point across, but they don't always either know what the words mean or sometimes they don't understand how that's going to come off. It Really, the the staying relevant and the saying you're supposed to be wiser, I mean, that's not really an example of that, but it's just someone being so condescending, yeah. as you said. And They're going like a little, they're taking swipes. They're, they're, they're going a little swipe. too far. Yeah. And to use a big word, I mean, to me, it feels like a false dichotomy. These people just have different values. Whoa. So it's not, you know, like these yeah. seniors, they don't care about being relevant on Twitter. Like that, that's fine. They don't need to be, you know, like you don't need to impose your values on them. But yeah, right. supposedly smart. I mean, it is just so condescending. It's so Brutal. condescending. <laughs> okay, so I think we're both. The first one is kind of, we'll give that a lightly legit moan. We'll give the second one an unnecessary yeah. groan. Does that feel? Yeah, I mean... It's, it's, yeah, I think that's fair. I think we're all in agreement with that. I mean, it's sort of... We have to pick. Yeah, I'm sort of frustrated we have to side with the last generation, but I feel the second letter really forces our hand. (laughs) Well, speaking of, I guess it's closing time. (laughs) Turn all of you fountains to the places you will come from. Okay, Gabe, (laughs) thank you so much for being here today. Where can people find you? And then I'll keep singing like later. Do you want to sing over while Gabe's promoting his stuff or do you want to maybe save it for <laughs> No, I'll wait till he's... <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. You can find me, I mean, I have accounts on Twitter and Instagram under my name at Gabe Liebman. 
I probably use Instagram more to promote stuff like going on with me professionally. You should definitely check out the latest season of Never Have I Ever on Netflix. Oh my God, I didn't even say that in your intro, Never Have no, I Ever. No, that's okay. It's up on Netflix now and it's such a good season and I wrote on that and make a little bit of a star cameo in the last Woo! episode. Whoa. A surprise alert. And yeah, that's about it, I guess. Well, Jonah, do you want to do our sign-off and also in closing time under it? Sure. Yeah, let's try it. Like I said, uh, well, that was really fun, Vanessa. Thank you so much to Gabe for joining us and everyone for listening. If you enjoyed that, please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird, where we will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like Manic Panic Hair Dye. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.